The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to this week's version of America's Web Radio, and this is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. We have been looking and will continue to look at the problems of America, the health of America, both internally and externally. We look at policies. We look at projects that are going on. We look at nominations in Washington. We look at all sorts of issues. But today, I want to talk about what I think is one of the most important issues that's not getting its full exposure. So I want to use whatever audience this uh, is able to listen to this or ex- ex- uh, pass it on to somebody else to share these uh, podcasts and these ra- this radio program with others. I think one of the most important things going on right now is happening on the rooftop in Chicago, Illinois. Now, we all hear bits and pieces of the Chicago experience of the shootings and the violence and the crime and people committing crimes and being let go by a district attorney that's not prosecuting crimes, that people are committing crimes, multiple um, events that are going on where crime after crime, murder after murder is going on and people are not being locked up. And who is the victim of all this? It's the minority communities in particular that are suffering the return of criminals uh, that this constant flow, you take them into the jail and they get released within 24 hours, no no cash bail. All these things are going on in our major cities, but Chicago is sort of the ground zero of where so much of this is happening that's hurting the black community. And we're starting to see a change, a challenge from people in those communities themselves, the minority leaders in those communities that are stepping up and saying enough is enough. We have to find something else. We're defining the problem not so much in terms of just crime is rising because of gun violence. We're not uh, finding out that uh, defund the police makes any sense because the people who are hurt the most by defunding the police are the very people that uh, many of the liberal community, the Democratic community, says that they are for, that they're getting all the votes, 90% of the votes of these communities, and for what? that they're not really getting the kind of results that are necessary. And so we start to change and talk about systemic racism instead of the real problem that there is true crime in these areas that is not being punished, that those bad actors, that cancer that's in the community that's been there for decade after decade after decade, and we have generation after generation of families that are caught in this terrible cycle of poverty and violence and criminal activity. All that's going on and is epitomized by the south side of Chicago. Well, there's one man in Chicago that's standing up, and his name is Pastor Corey Brooks. And Pastor Corey Brooks, I've had on this program in the past, but he continues to stay right now. We're in the middle of his 100-day stay on a rooftop talking about not just the policies that need to change, but about the actual actions that he's willing to step forward and be the leader on in his community to offer opportunities to people in his community other than selling drugs, other than doing nothing and and being an alcoholic, of doing nothing or joining a gang to provide protection. He identifies the real problems. 
And to many out there, he may sound like he's a Republican and conservative. And the reality is he has changed from being a Democrat to being a Republican and a conservative because he's saying the Democratic proposals have been tried for 60, 70 years. And he, what he talks about is the post-60 liberalism is the real problem. The real racist is the post-60 liberalism that's affecting this community. And yes, he takes some personal responsibility as well as saying that his community and even himself in the past may have accepted what they thought was going to be government help, of program help, of policy help. But it turns, it turns out that the opposite has happened. And they do say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so all the good intentions they're now seeing come home to roost in areas like Chicago, where there has been no hope, that there has been no opportunity, that nobody's reached out to them. And so I'd say to anybody listening to this program on the conservative Republican side, it's time, there's an inflection point, an opportunity to really have an impact on these communities. Yes, Republicans have talked about opportunity zones and have talked about creating employment uh, in these areas and trying to help out. But, you know, the reality is the Republicans haven't done a very good job of reaching out. And many times when they do, they're completely rejected. We'll keep reaching out, keep trying, because I want to be uh, able to share the stories of the days that Dr. Professor uh, Pastor Corey Brooks is going through on that rooftop in Chicago. So, Pastor, I want to bring you on board here to talk about what you think is the real problem of the rising crime in Chicago, because you see it firsthand. You have to deal with that community. They are members of your church. They are members of your community. You're trying to build a community center out there to give them options and choices, whether it's um, skill training, whether it's uh, broader education in the areas that the kids are interested in, but give them options and choices of activities and careers that they may not think are even real for them today. So let me stop here and just turn it over uh, to, to Pastor uh, Corey Brooks. Tell us about the rise in crime and the way you see the problems and solutions, not just talking problems, but I know you've got tangible solutions. So help our audience to understand what's going on in these areas like South Side of Chicago. I've been reading about the rise in crime all over America. Here we just had 30 ladies shot and seven were killed and two of them had babies who were also killed. I've been reading about Baltimore a lot lately where there were 36 homicides in January. In 2022, it's not looking very good at all either. What bothers me aside from the shooting and murdering is the talk around it. I understand how people trying to figure things out and I've talked earlier about how defund the police led to more carnage in the poor communities. Now that defund the police is no longer politically cool to talk about, the conversation has returned to systemic racism. So, Pastor Corey, what do you think are the real problems that you're facing in, uh, in the community that your church is in, that you're trying to help these kids? What, what do you think is the real problem? I don't know. But I'm starting to wonder if systemic racism was the original defund the police. The left has used race so much in advancing their causes. If there's a roadblock, they call it systemic racism. 
until it withers away. And it's it's a very effective strategy because nobody wants to be associated with racism. And, and so they get out of the way. But we've had all of this talk of systemic racism and it's gotten us where? The reason why I bring up systemic racism was because in one of the articles I was reading about Baltimore, some city officials were blaming all of the crime on systemic racism. They've been saying that for years and years and years. You're certainly right, Pastor, that no one wants to be called a racist, that um, uh, one party has been taking advantage of and taking for granted the minority community. The other party has not really paid as close attention to it as they should. Um, and the black community seems to be totally locked into those who you're saying um, have not really helped the community in the last 60 years. They've only um, mouthed the right words, and, but have not actually implemented the kinds of policies. So when we talk about systemic racism, which is the rage on the, um, on the uh, liberal left, what do you think that they mean by the term systemic racism? What they mean by systemic racism is white supremacy. They believe that it's the root cause of all our ills, the white supremacist and the system. That's these white supremacists that they created this system. But that is a lie. That is an excuse. We do have systemic racism and it's called liberalism post-60s liberalism, to be exact. Well, Pastor, you've certainly said exactly what many people have been saying for a long time, but don't have the credibility of your voice in your community. So it is so heartening to hear you describe the situation in reality, not just from people saying they want to help the community, they want to do this, they want to do that, they want to throw more money, they want to throw more services, but do they really help you in the community, does it help people to learn how to fish or are they just giving them fishes, which lasts a short period of time and that's inadequate? So tell me about your experience in your own community as to how you see this working out both for the good and more likely from what you're saying, the detriment of the young people in that community. And what are you going to do about it? So tell us about your community experience because you live it every single day. Look around my community. The government practically has had a hand in every aspect of creating this impoverished and violent neighborhood. And to our great shame, we the people who live here allowed the government to take over our lives. In their efforts to help us, they created this massively oppressive culture of dependency. That's why I spent so much of my time trying to get people in this community to understand the basic American principles of free will, accountability, and merit. And to show you how crazy this Democrat charge of systemic racism is, those values I just described are systemically racist and need to be destroyed. We need to stop with this systemic racist excuse. My community suffers because of liberal democratic policies. Well, Pastor, I think you have uh, hit the nail on the head when you talk about the culture of dependency. They basically have replaced the father in the community with a paycheck. They've replaced the 
idea of meritocracy of going out and the self-help and and getting a job with a government paycheck as well. So the culture of dependency, the accountability uh, that needs to be uh, reinstilled or instilled in that community, the idea of merit, that you do good, you'll get good. If you work hard, you'll see good results. The idea of free will, you have an opportunity to do things, but I know many in that community do not really feel that the American dream is something that they can tap into when you're preaching that, in fact, they can. And I think we can hear some stories later on about how that has actually worked in your community. But it really boils down to another phrase that many use, and that is the racism of low expectations for that community. And you're trying to raise that. So tell us more about how you go from where we are today. Do we expect any changes to be made as we go into the future in your community? And we continue to suffer. So we must reject the post-60s liberalism with every fiber of our being. We must stop letting the charge of systemic racism destroy everything in its path. We are better than that. And we are stronger than that. That's the reason why I'm on this roof for 100 days from November the 20th to February 28th, bringing to you the issues and awareness that you need to know about in our city, and in our great country. Pastor, you have such a powerful message, one that I want to continue this hour of talking about your messages from that rooftop. And I want to have this audience fully understand and embrace the direction that you would like to take those inner city youth uh, to raise them up out of the poverty and the gangs and the drug use and the alcoholism and being put down by government policies instead of raised up by the American dream. So let's take a quick break, and I want to come back with more of Pastor Corey Brooks. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio, live every Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor Show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor Show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right, and you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today we are talking to a very interesting man who's willing to speak out the truth. And the truth is that we've got major problems in our inner cities with crime, drugs, violence, the breakdown of the family, and very few people seem to want to actually stand up and make that statement. And the statement is made most powerfully from people who are living in those communities, trying to make a difference, have ideas on how things can change. And one of those is Pastor Corey Brooks. And Corey Brooks lives in the south part of Chicago. He's got a church there that is reaching out to the youth to get them out of this cycle of poverty. And he has changed 
from being a Democrat, a liberal in his youth, to being more of a conservative Republican in his current um, thinking about how to solve the problems. And he's saying something that many of us in the conservative movement have been saying for a long time, but he has much more credibility. He's black. He's in that community. He grew up in that community. He lives in that community, and he sees firsthand the poverty, the violence, the killing, all the crime that goes on in those communities. And he's as worried about the victims as much as other people seem to be worried about the criminals these days. That seems to be the dynamic that's going on in this country, that we're letting people out of prison. We're arresting people and releasing them with no cash bonds, saying that's discriminatory, that we have institutional racism that is putting too many black people in the prison. And Pastor Corey Brooks is stepping out with a different version of what's actually happening in there. And he is telling that, for many of us believe, is in fact the truth. It's not just talking about, well, we want to help people, but then you never really do, or that you institute policies that hurt the community that you say you're trying to help. So, Pastor Corey Brooks, you're spending 100 days on top of a building in Chicago to try to raise awareness and also raise funds for the community center that you want to build. And I know you're getting contributions from around the country, if not around the world, to help make your vision, make an example of how you can actually have a positive impact on a community and not just be adding more and more government programs that seems to be a weight down on top of the people in that community and is not helping them up, but keeping them down. So tell us about the big issue today that we hear in the media and the press of these cities with no solutions, but we're talking about crime, about real crime in the inner city areas and how people have to live with the criminals. And what is your take on how that best can be done to help turn around a community where people don't feel safe, where children can't play outside without the fear of gun violence and shootings that go on in the community, where parents don't feel safe about sending their kids outside or even sending them to school, that there's violence in the school. So what is your solution? What is your take on the crime problems that are in areas like South Chicago? A man came up to me this past summer and he asked me what I thought about all the crime going on and what we should do. I looked right at him and said, lock them all up. The man looked at me in surprise. Then he said, aren't you worried about locking up too many black men? Our prisons are full of black men and we can't be locking them up. And I said, they're not black. They are criminals. The man didn't know what to say. Well, of course, what you just said has been the reason that there has been more of a soft on crime or defund the police type of a movement because it's The feeling in many circles is that, in fact, it is targeting the black community unfairly and is imprisoning the black community unfairly so that they don't have the same job prospects even when they get out or are rehabilitated. Uh, But there's that black mark of being arrested or being put in jail. So do you understand sort of where he's coming from, even though You have said, I think the focus should be on the victims and lock up the criminals, that they're not black, 
that in fact they're criminals, whether they're black or white, and they ought to be locked up and pulled away from the community. But do you understand the message that is being um, suggested by that individual and by many in the community, the liberal side of our, our, our country these days, uh, talking about that institutional racism is locking up too many blacks for unnecessary crimes. But I know where he's coming from. I truly do. It, it pains me to see so many young men and women who are black and locked up. But you know what else pains me even more? To see the bodies of their victims. So I'm always going to choose the side of the innocent, day and night. There's pain all around, and, and, and that's what it's like living on the south side of Chicago. I want to be clear. I support criminal justice reform. I've seen too many men taken out of the homes for offenses such as possession of marijuana and offenses that we have now legalized. I understand those efforts, and I support fixing our criminal justice system. That's the beauty of America. That's the way we always have, and that's the tools of correction that we ought to use at our disposal. But hardcore criminals, hardcore killers, we have to lock them up. We have to lock them up to protect the working people in this community. Well, Pastor, that's an awfully hard message for many to accept these days. The politically correct is to say that we're arresting too many people, we're incarcerating too many minorities, and that needs to stop. Instead of looking at what I think you're doing and looking at the actual root cause, you can't have a safe and secure community as long as you keep putting criminals back onto the streets, into those communities that are going to have multiple uh, robberies of local uh, residents, of murders, of gangs, of drugs, of the violence that we see, that that's what you're trying to address and not talk about what others may be sitting in Washington, D.C. or in comfortable locations where they don't really have to face the kind of of uh, problems that you see every day in your community. You're trying to work for the community, and that means taking the criminals out of those communities and incarcerating them then if you have to, but recognizing that there are some areas that uh, I think you've said marijuana use and some other uh, crimes that have now been decriminalized in many areas, petty offenses that uh, get harsh sentences instead of helping people uh, to get on the right track. And I know we're going to talk later in this hour about opportunities to getting people on the right track, whether it's mentors or job training or the different things that you think you can do with that community center. But tell us more about the idea of safety and security within the communities that you're trying to focus on and how important safety and uh, security is to the residents of the South Chicago area that you live in. It is our right to have security. We pay taxes like anyone else, and without security, we cannot function as a community. And the truth be told, we are barely functioning in the first place. So, Pastor, for people who live in so the ivory tower, the professors who come up with some of these liberal policies, or for people who live in protected, gated communities and don't see and have to experience the violence uh, that, that you see every day, what are some of the examples of the kind of things that you see and you have to live with every day and the impacts on the community where you're trying to really help people in a very practical way? What are some of the problems and issues that you're seeing? I know a nine-year-old who was shot twice, once on the playground 
and once inside his own home. I just interviewed a brilliant, interviewed a brilliant young man who served, who scored a perfect score on the ACT. Those, those people are the people that need to be the top priority in our society. And they deserve to be able to walk down the street without fear. I'm so disgusted with our city's leadership. They've let so many criminals out and we have leaders who believe that reducing the number of blacks in prison is the way to go. We have leaders who put black before criminal actions and that's a lie that gets people killed. They are not black, they're criminals. And I shouldn't have to say it, the most obvious thing in the room, not all black people are criminals, not all white people are criminals, So we need to stop with this racial politics and start calling these people the criminals that they are. All good points, Pastor Corey Brooks. Give our audience out here some examples of how you think crime can be reduced in your community and give them a little bit of a flavor of the very specific Project Hood, H-O-O-D, Project Hood in your community that is going to make a difference Uh, when you get it built. But how do you reduce crime with the concepts that you're presenting? If you want to reduce the ever-increasing number of criminals that we see these days, then the best thing to do is support our efforts at Project Hood. I'm not saying this out of self-promotion, but who else is tackling the root cause of criminality? Yes, people in the neighborhood may have it harder than most Americans because of the violence and poverty here, but that's no excuse for criminality. So Pastor Corey, you have your own dreams as to how this community can be reshaped and is based upon conservative principles that you firmly believe in are rooted in the right ways to attack the underlying cause and to break the cycle of poverty. And your project hood, as you've described it, um, for our audience, um, they should know that that has... um, Some words behind it, the H-O-O-D stands for Helping Others Obtain Destiny. So what you're trying to do is create the dream for everybody. The American dream is available to the communities that seem to be so distant from it, that have been removed from generations of the idea of the American dream, of reaching out and connecting for a better life in something other than drugs and violence and gangs. And so... I think what you're doing is so admirable, and I'd like for you to give us a little bit more of a wrap-up of some of the things that Project Hood is actually doing today and plans to do more of if you're successful in the fundraising to build this community center that you're promoting so strongly with the time you're spending the 100 days on that rooftop. We're out there trying to get these kids the best education so they can have the best chance to succeed. We're out here trying to show these kids pathways to opportunity so they can dream instead of living in fear. We're out here giving these kids the help they need to deal with the trauma of daily violence so they can grow up whole and full of potential. That's how you stop criminality at the bottom. For the lost cases, if they commit a crime, we as a society have to stand up and speak the truth and say it It's not because they're black, but because they're criminals. And that's just the way I see it, period. Well, Pastor, I certainly commend you for speaking the truth. And that's what a Christian is supposed to do, speak the truth. And I think you're doing that in 
relationship to your community and the violence and the problems that you see there. I want to come back and talk about some of the issues in your community with others in your community, with the youth in your community, with some of the leaders in your community about what they see in terms of the value of your project and how they're supporting it and helping you along the way as you're trying to raise some money to make a real big difference in that community itself and be a model, an example of how the rest of the country and other urban cities with the same kinds of problems and desperation and lack of opportunity, how they could address the issue. So let's take a quick break, and I want to come back with more of Pastor Corey Brooks and members of that community working to make it better for everybody. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare custom and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and today we are focusing on the efforts of Pastor Corey Brooks in south side of Chicago. Uh, we have been taking some of his YouTube presentations that are also available uh, at, at uh, Fox News, and I am slicing and dicing and highlighting areas because his message is so important. We need to create more outlets, and America's Web Radio is a great one to do that. So I hope people listening here, if you haven't heard this before, that you can take to heart exactly what he is saying of bringing conservative values into the uh, black community in South Chicago that's riddled with crime and drugs and and unemployment, and he's trying to find a new way out, uh, a conservative message of how to attack the crime and the problems and break the cycle of poverty uh, that has been going on for more than uh, 60 years in these communities. And today, in this segment, what I want to do is almost turn it over uh, to um, uh, Pastor Brooks, and he's got two guests on his rooftop where he's there for 100 days talking about the issues as he sees it, trying to raise awareness and also doing fundraising for his Project Hood. And for those of you listening who find this message very encouraging and a way that we ought to move forward and we ought to be supporting 
then I would suggest you go on the website, uh, projecthood.org, and understand and learn more about it. And if you're so moved, make whatever contributions you think appropriate to help out uh, Pastor uh, Corey Brooks. So let me turn it over to Corey Brooks for this part of the segment, because he's got two guests he wants to interview, a um, guests that are from Albany, Georgia. So he's reaching out across the country to find examples that he could bring to South Chicago that are working in other communities. And for those of you listening here in Georgia where this broadcast is being uh, uh, sent from, uh, Albany, Georgia has got a great program that was put together by a Mr. Um, uh, King Randall and a uh, Travis Cochran. And uh, Corey Brooks is going to interview them. And I think if you listen real closely, you'll find that they have similar thoughts and ideas about the real problems that we're facing in the uh, black community and how they're actually uh, stepping forward and creating solutions in Albany, Georgia, that Pastor uh, Brooks is trying to bring to uh, South Chicago. So, um, Pastor, uh, why don't you take over this part of our program and do your own interviews with the guests that you have there with you. I have with me two very important guests who are doing some major work, and I don't want to waste any time. I want to jump right in. Our discussion that we want to talk about is the state of black boys across America. It's my firm belief that a lot of the liberal policies that have been enacted have endangered black boys all across the country. We see young black boys who are in disarray, who are all messed up. And I'm so glad that I have these two young brothers who are doing something about it. I want to introduce to you, some of you may already know him, King Randall. He's going to tell you about a very special school that he's got going in Albany, Georgia. And I want to introduce you also to Travis Cochran, who is a businessman, an entrepreneur, but is also assisting in this school in Albany, Georgia. So welcome, guys. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Thank you all for coming to the south side of Chicago. I don't want to waste any time. I want to ask you, King, what do you think about the state of black boys in America? Uh, well, I just feel like they're being failed. Um, they're all being failed uh, by many of the institutions that are designed for them to fail. Um, and it, and not even just our boys, it's all the boys yeah. that are included, you know, in these schools, etc. You know, uh, it's, it's overwhelming to see, you know, what's going on. But these policies, you know, are affecting, you know, more of our black boys in particular. And it's from liberal white races. Yeah. This is what's happening. These are tr- the true races in our society. Uh, yes. People always try to give this racist idea to people who may say something bad etc no these people are actually enacting policies that are messing up you know the children in our communities but they're in bed with your pastors they're yes. in bed with people you know across the country uh you know all your favorite activists who are you know had their fist up saying black lives yes. matter they're all in bed with each other you know yes. making sure that our communities stay oppressed this is what's happening well, mr randall let me jump in here real quickly because you have made such uh, great points and observations, and I know you're doing all this work in Albany, Georgia. And one of the big issues, I understand, what you're doing is establishing your own school. So you're a you're a big uh, advocate of school choice, which many say is the current day civil rights issue. It is the issue of our day to get better education uh, to the individual. So. 
tell us a little bit about what you're doing in Albany, Georgia, and what happens when people sort of finally see the light of what you're saying. But once people, you know, get in and start saying, you know what, we want school choice. We're going to open up our own schools. We're going to start teaching our own boys, you know, how to do yes. different skill trades. And this is what we're doing in the city of Albany. We're actually opening a new school called the Life Preparatory School for Boys. It'll be an all-boys boarding school in the city of Albany. We're teaching children different skill trades, welding, firearms training. We're teaching them uh, how to work on cars, work on houses, different uh, projects such as STEM, etc. Our program already has an 86% reading comprehension rate uh, coming from a city where you know so many of the children can't read uh just under 30 percent of the children uh leaving uh our school system in our uh our hometown uh can't read uh, just under 30 percent of them are graduating proficient in reading um and the rest of them can't read you know this and it's absolutely sad um as to why people don't see our school systems don't need an overhaul so this is where we come in and try to create our own school choice and try to open up our own schools we need to be pushing our governments to make sure that money is following our students Absolutely. and not the school systems. Money need to be going to our our students uh, because the, the, the students need it and the parents should be able to choose where their children are going. And you can follow us at thexforboys.org. That's T-H-E, the letter X, F-O-R-B-O-Y-S.org to see what's going on with our school and what we're doing in the city of Albany. Well, Pastor Corey, this all seems right up your alley of what you want to do. And I think you brought in some great examples of what can be done in South Chicago, pulling out a best of practice that's being done in Albany, Georgia. So I'd love to get your thoughts now on um, Randall King's uh, presentation of what they're doing in Albany and the kind of focus on education uh, that's happening down there. What are, What's your take on what was just said? Absolutely. That's the reason why I'm so excited because I just feel like the platform, I'm so grateful because it's allowing uh, like-minded brothers to finally be able to get connected right. and uh, so many of the ideas that you're sharing I, I believe in them wholeheartedly school choice education you know having the parents be able to take those funds and have those dollars follow their child to whatever school that they believe is best for their school their student man that is what i'm talking about the trades absolutely that's what i'm talking about giving people these uh young people opportunities and options and alternatives yes sir. that's that's right up my alley that's the reason why we're trying to build this community center pastor brooks if i can just interject here i want to remind our audience that what's happening here is you are a black pastor uh king randall is a black advocate relatively young person who has taken it on himself to do all this work in Albany, Georgia, to create a national model for uh, education, for school choice, for charter schools, for whatever it takes uh, to be established in the black community to focus especially on black males. And now I know your other guest, uh, Travis Cochran, is a black businessman who's helping to support the efforts in Albany, Georgia. So I think this shows sort of uh, people talk about, well, you can't pull people up by the bootstraps if they don't have bootstraps. Well, sometimes you can find those bootstraps within the community of people who are willing to step forward and really make a change. So if you would um, ask uh, Travis now about his involvement, why he's doing it, I think our audience might get a more complete picture of what's really happening in Albany, Georgia, that I think would benefit not only South side of Chicago, but people across the country, if they could pick up and find the same kind of passion that both uh, Mr. Randall and Mr. Cochran have uh, for helping uh, young blacks uh, get out of the cycle of poverty 
and drug abuse and gangs and all those problems that uh, are currently existing. And Travis, that's exactly what you do too. You know, you're helping, um, you're helping uh, King, and the reason why you're helping King is why? Uh, because I feel like we we have to attack these things from a, a two point side. We have to correct the education. A lot of these kids, like King said, have literacy problems, have training problems, and they need skill sets. Yes. But then, even after we get skill sets, we need pipelines. Yep. I think that's a lot of what we don't talk about a lot. And I know these systems and some of these policies that they're putting in place are really put there to stop the pipeline. Yep. So if I if I can bring welding companies, if I can bring film companies, if I can bring engineering companies to these kids after they've learned these skills at our school, yes. then we can give them a pipeline direct to, it's almost like going to direct to consumer, but instead it's going to direct to skilled workers. So I feel like that's the best way to attack it from both sides. Absolutely. You know, King, what, what do, you, do you think it's up to brothers like us to be able to save the day? I mean, because uh, if we don't, uh, it looks like we're going to continue to see a cycle of violence, a cycle of poverty, a cycle of miseducation. Why Why do you think it's important for brothers like me, you, and Travis to do what we do? Well, they have to see that they can do it because a lot of them don't believe they can. A lot of their pastors, a lot of their community leaders, a lot of their activists will make them feel like that the only way they can help their community is by putting their fist up and saying Black Lives Matter or putting up a hashtag or supporting their movements. When you can start something yourself, you don't need a major movement. Talk. You can just do something. You can go and go take a child, you know, to school every day go in and buy a uh, food for a family once a week yeah. you know these things are things you could do to help, help your out. community you know in a small way you know but every everybody has you know uh their own parts to play in helping our community but we're going to continue to see this same cycle if we don't understand that you know we can help ourselves but ours our churches our systems etc they'll come up with all these you know fine ways for us to keep begging for help instead of doing it for ourselves but maybe if they use some of that same ingenuity and actually teach us how to go do something for ourselves right. our community would be pushed a lot further. Absolutely. Well, listen, I'm so glad y'all brothers are doing the work that you're doing. I'm excited for y'all. I'm excited that uh, God connected us. Absolutely. I'm going to do everything I can to help you get that school up and going because it is really needed. And uh, hopefully we can be able to do the same things here in Chicago. Uh, but let's keep working and let's keep uh, praying. And uh, again, I want to thank y'all for being on this roof on the south side of Chicago, yeah, spending some time with Project Hood. Thank God you. bless y'all, man. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Well, I hope our audience out there listening in today, especially those with more conservative views who have as much concern about the minority community and these urban areas as, as I do. Um, yeah, they don't give us the votes to get the right politicians to change the policies, but we're at an inflection point, I think, where things are starting to change because the awareness that the existing 60s liberal policies just are not working, and many in Washington, especially on the Democratic side, keep pushing us even further to the left, giving more and more benefits to people rather than having them uh, do for themselves in many ways to bring up their communities, to to find ways to support their families, to enjoy the value of having a job and supporting your family yourself rather than taking handouts from the government or from some other not-for-profit. That doesn't create any personal um, worth and value of an individual, respect for themselves. So I think these programs are enormously important, and I hope you'll stay with us because I want to have another session about how other people are helping out uh, Pastor um, Coy Brooks in his efforts to raise up the South Side of Chicago and establish a model for the country by bringing in even best practices where he can find them 
such as the um, the organization that's going on in Albany, Georgia. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final session this week of Healthcare Insight. You're on America's Web Radio. And this is an important platform in order to spread the word of somebody I think is an extremely important new leader in the black community on the south side of Chicago that we all hear about, the crime and the drugs and the murders daily that are going on there record numbers that are being set with this whole environment of both defund the police and district attorneys that are just letting the criminals go round and round this door of uh, being charged and taken into the jail and then being released with uh, uh, no cash bail requirement, thinking that we're helping the criminal, but we're really hurting the community. And one of those community leaders, the black pastor, in the South Side is trying to make a difference, and he's doing what he calls rooftop revelations, and it's Pastor Corey Brooks. And what we've talked about so far are a number of things about what he's doing. Last segment, we talked about the issues of black males and some of the solutions that are being done in the city like Albany that Pastor uh, Brooks is trying to bring into the South Side. Well, in this segment, I want to talk a little bit more and give an example of it's not just black males, but black females that are also finding their way out of this cycle of poverty. And one of those people that he's going to interview, and I want to turn over to Pastor Corey in a minute to conduct that interview, is with a lady named Tina Jackson. And she was a drug dealer, a drug pusher. And she went to jail, and you'll hear her fascinating story in a few minutes about how she's changed her life around. And she shows that there are women that are just as deeply involved with this cycle of poverty, that they're just not there with the men shooting each other um, in their own neighborhoods or the men being the drug dealers, but it's also the women that need the help. And that's what Corey uh, Brooks wants to do. He wants to bring help to that entire community, males and females. So he's looking for programs and approaches that have worked with other people, what has changed their lives, what has changed their directory of how they're dealing with the issues of crime and where they grew up on. So, Pastor Corey, would you take over this part of the interview and uh, and talk to the guests that you have there and introduce her, please? And today I am so grateful to have on this rooftop revelation, Tina Jackson. And Tina is a wonderful sister who is a CEO of her own restaurant and has a remarkable story. Oftentimes we hear about the brothers in our neighborhood who have had trials and difficulties and gone to prison. But today 
I want you to hear from Tina Jackson. I want you to hear her story and all about what she's doing right now to help change the lives of not just her family, uh, but other young people who have been in the situation that she's in. So welcome, Tina. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Tina, real quick, we're going to jump in because we don't have a lot of time. Tell people, you know, uh, about your 17-year incarceration. How did that happen? Okay, it's over like three bits, though. Okay. Okay. So actually, I was a gang member, the Gangster Disciples, for years, and I was a drug dealer, a big drug dealer. So anything I ever did, I grew in it. Wow. Um, it's, it's not to glorify it in any way. It's just to show you that God will give you a, a spirit of entrepreneurship. Yeah. But it's, it's up to you to decide on what side you're going to bring it out on. Right. Absolutely. I know you said you used it uh, being a drug dealer. We hear about a lot of guys being drug dealers, but not too often do we hear about <laughs> uh, sisters. But I wanted people to know in Chicago, uh, there are some sisters who have gone that direction and, and done some things. So you were 17 years, yes. incarceration, um, drug dealing. I know you had about 10 people working for you, making yes. money. Yes. And what happened? You end up getting caught. And doing a lot of time. And yeah. during my time of incarceration, like I said, it's your mindset. So if you don't do anything, when you go in, you'll come out the same age 10 years later. Yeah. So let me jump in here. Um, Ms. Jackson, um, you obviously came up in a very rough neighborhood, a very tough time. Uh, you turned to dealing with drugs and you were very good at it because you had this entrepreneurial approach, but you took that entrepreneurial attitude and skill set and you applied it in a very negative way in terms of impacting your community. Yeah, you probably made some decent money at it until you got caught. And then you realized while you're in prison that that was not really the life for you. You had some revelations in prison that it had to be something you uh, had a mindset change of, something that happened to you that decided you weren't going to continue in this path, that if you were going to do anything, it had to be yourself. So you didn't have a whole lot of bootstraps to hold on to to pull yourself up, but you knew you had this skill of being an entrepreneur, of being an organizer, of being a marketer, of being able to reach out to people. And um, you ultimately turned it into being a, um, a restaurateur. So you have your own restaurant today, but tell us a little bit more about exactly what happened to you while you were in prison. So I, it was up to me to make sure I put something in my mind on a daily basis. Mm. So I obtained my associate's degree while I was in there. I got all kinds of certificates for culinary, for custodial. I taught those that were less fortunate to learn uh, how to read, how to write. And that was a wonderful thing. So I just kept my mind working and got came home and obtained my bachelor's. So let me get this right. So while you were in prison, you decided... I'm not going to stay the same. I'm going to grow even in this environment. Absolutely. So you start going to school, got Absolutely. your associates. Um, you start helping other people. Uh, I know, I know because I've talked to you that yeah. you were in the choir, you were the dance that. ministry that you were had her start, started building a relationship with God in prison. I definitely. And all of that, do you think made a difference? Of course. I know when you got out, you said you got your bachelor's degree. I did. And I became a, a, a stout member of Grace Apostolic Faith Church, mm -hmm. where actually I'm the Minister Alliance leader. So, awesome. Yeah, I do that. I love that. So what happened when you got out? You got out of jail. You got this associate's degree. You got your, your bachelor's degree. What 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 did you do? 
I, I went to work. I started working at Firestone, and I loved I loved that job. But a guy came in and saw how savvy I was with selling parts and different things like that on cars, and he offered me a job at AutoZone, paying just a little more money. So I left. <laughs> right. And then I met this young lady who I call my grand my grandbaby named Stephanie, and she showed me a building that a gentleman had, and he wanted to a restaurant. And when during my bachelor degree, I had to write a business plan, and my business plan was called Wings, Greens, and Things. And my daughter, Daisha said, Mama, you can do this. So I looked at the plan, I started reading it, got in my spirit, and I, I, I started. That's awesome. Yeah, started. And, and you know what? And that's, you're the type of, you're a model of the type of sister we're trying to help. Uh, a sister who may have went the wrong way, but now wants to get back on track. Esther, let me jump in here because I think this is such a remarkable story that Tina Jackson has that there, in fact, are hidden skills, hidden treasures within the black community in these crime-ridden areas that can be tapped into. Um, God is going to provide uh, the skills that you need if you look hard enough. If you will just take the time, you'll find people like Ms. Jackson, who not only can pull herself up, but with her entrepreneurial attitude and spirit, she can raise up the entire community by establishing a business, by hiring people, by showing herself as an example to others, maybe identifying and, and uh, other entrepreneurs that can work other types of jobs and other types of situations to help the entire uh, community there. So I think it's so important about what you're trying to do, uh, Pastor, this whole idea, and I know you've got a multi-pronged approach, but the entrepreneurial uh, aspect of what you want to do with this community center uh, really can be a spark that most people think, well, the people who brought up in a community like that can't start a business. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, they don't have any model themselves. But somehow there is that spark uh, within us that, well, we may not have been fully trained at some point in our lives that things can turn around and you can have people like Tina Jackson step forward that can really help to change the entire dynamics of a community that otherwise might feel completely lost. And so while she saved her life, she can save so many more lives. So that's the bootstrap that can be pulled up rather than looking to government, looking to not-for-profits out there that really don't have the community interest at heart. You've got people like Tina in there. So uh, tell us about, Pastor, the entrepreneurial program that you have in mind. One of the reasons why we're building this center is so that we can have an entrepreneurial school, so that we can teach people how to be business owners, because that's so important in our neighborhood as relates to the violence. And a lot of people don't understand why that's important, but it really is because people need to have uh, financial foundations. They need to have uh, things that they can rely on and build and uh, inspire their children to maybe even pass on and legacy. And so it's so important. So I want to thank you for being a model for what we're trying to do. And your restaurant, the food is so good. <laughs> and for anybody who's ever in Chicago, uh, tell them where to go. Come to Wings, Greens, and Things, 6767 <laughs> South South Chicago. We're definitely making a difference on the southeast side. You can look us up on Facebook, you can Google us, and you can look us up on Instagram. It's a tremendous story. A sister who did 17 years in prison. Absolutely. 
decided in prison, I'm going to make life better. I'm going to educate myself. Got out of prison, start developing her skills, utilizing her mind, doing things the right way, started a business, and now that business is thriving. And I've got one thing to ask you. Is your life more peaceful now than when you were making that money as a drug dealer? A peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. (laughs) Bless you. Thank you, Tina. Love you much. All right. Well, there you have it, audience. I hope you have really enjoyed and stayed with us for this entire hour, or that you have come back in pieces to try to pick up on this very important message uh, from Pastor Corey Brooks and the guests that he's had on the program today. You can see all of this on um, on YouTube in many ways, but um, I've tried to highlight it in a different way than maybe you would otherwise uh, find it either on Fox News or on YouTube. But keep in mind that this is the new leadership of the black community. Uh, it's the new leadership that's actually providing real opportunity and real growth for improvement and breaking of the generational cycle of poverty that we see in these communities. It is so refreshing to see sort of a conservative approach, not 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 shown by white people like myself, but that the black community itself is embracing these ideas because they have lived too long with failure. And I think we're going to see more and more of this. And I just hope that the conservative movement, the Republican Party, will pick up on what it is they can actually do to improve the lives and not just talk about some national programs, certainly some of the things that have been done with Opportunity Zones and funding of historically black colleges and those sorts of things have been great at a national level. But we need to get down, if you really believe in the need to bring up everybody, we need to get down into these communities. And while we may not be the most credible voice of these communities, there are voices in these communities that are that are growing up, that are li- listening and learning for themselves what really needs to get done. And Pastor Corey Brooks is a perfect example of that. And it's happening around the country in other areas. So there is hope for the future. There is hope that we can break the cycle and that we can, in fact, improve uh, the entire country. And that a rising tide does, in fact, lift all boats with a better economy than. We even have today. So uh, we're setting the foundation. Corey Brooks is setting the foundation for real growth in the future for many, many years to come. So if you can, go to his website, um, projecthood.org, and and find ways that you might be able to support. Uh, thank you again for our audience, and I hope you will join us next week for some really good information and some really good discussions around how to solve some of the major problems that this country is currently facing. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.